That was awesome, wasn't it? I mean, what a great and mighty and merciful God that we have, the God who overcomes all the time, and because of him, we can be overcomers. If that don't get you fired up, your wood's wet, all right? Just saying. Hey, hey, two, a real quick commercial before I jump into our, our, our conversation for today. Just want to remind you guys, next week we kick off our, our brand new message series, Getting Better at What Jesus Said Matters Most. It's going to be a life-changing sermon series. I have no idea all what I'm going to talk about, but all I know is that if I get better and you get better at what Jesus says matters most, that's going to be a good thing. And so I encourage you to be there for that. I'll be praying for me this week. And our text is in John chapter 5. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And there was a belief and a tradition that once a day an angel would go to that pool and stir up the waters and first one in got healed, right? If you weren't the first one in, you weren't going to get healed. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Isn't that just like the religious? I mean, failing to rejoice in God moving because things were not done the way they think things ought to be done. I mean, a guy who has been paralyzed for 38 years is now walking. I think that's good news, right? But he replied, the man who made me well, he's saying this back to the Jews, the man who made me well said, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Now, it was located north of the temple area in Jerusalem. It was a large pool covered by five colonnades or porches. It was built many years earlier to be a monument of wealth and prosperity, but its residents now are people of sickness and disease. It's called the Pool of Bethesda, a word that means house of mercy. And mercy is what the multitudes who were gathered that day were longing for. Listen to how one author describes the scene. Picture a battlefield filled with wounded bodies, and you see Bethesda. Imagine a nursing home overcrowded and understaffed, and you see the pool. Call to mind the orphans in Bangladesh or the abandoned in New Delhi, and you will see what people saw when they passed Bethesda. And as they passed, what did they hear? An endless wave of groans. Uh, what did they witness? A field of faceless needs. Uh, what did they do? Most walked past, ignoring the people, but not Jesus. He's in Jerusalem for a feast. He's alone. He's not there to teach the disciples or to draw a crowd. The people need him, so he's there. Can you picture it? Jesus walking among the suffering. Question, well, what is he thinking? Uh, when an affected hand touches his ankle, what does he do? 
And when a blind child stumbles in Jesus' path, does he reach out to catch the child? When a wrinkled hand extends for alms, how does Jesus respond? How does God feel when people hurt? Now, it's worth telling the story if all we do is watch him walk. It's worth it just to know that he came. He didn't have to, you know. Surely there were more sanitary crowds in Jerusalem. Surely there were more enjoyable activities. After all, it's a Passover feast. It's an exciting time in this holy city. People have come from miles around to meet God in the temple. But little do they know that God is with the sick. Little do they know that God is walking slowly and carefully between the beggars and the blind. Little do they know that the strong young carpenter who surveys the ragged landscape of pain is God. Yes, a picture in John 5, when we take time to slow down and look, is an incredible, powerful, and troubling scene. Row after row of wounded, sick, and hurting people. Question, are things any different today? Unfortunately not. Our world is full of pain and hurt and trouble and sorrow. We are literally surrounded on every side by row after row of wounded, sick, and hurting people. It's everywhere, even in this room. Quick question. When you look around at the people who attend church with you on Sunday, what do you see? Do you see row after row of impressive people dressed in nice clothes who have it all together? Or do you see hurting people in need of comfort, troubled people in need of peace? Do you see sick people in need of healing? Do you see lonely people in need of belonging, captive people in need of freedom? Do you see prodigal people in need of forgiveness, desperate people in need of hope? Do you see fearful people in need of courage and struggling people in need of deliverance? Marshall Hayden wrote an article a few years ago back entitled, Would Every Non-Herder Please Stand Up? He pointed out that people come to church wearing their best clothes and their best smiles. Everybody looks happy. How you doing? Oh, it's all good. Everything's great. And we assume everything's okay. But, but he suggests that if we would look beyond the facade and we would realize that the chairs are full of hurting people. He writes, over here is a family with an income of five fifty a week and an outgo of a thousand. Over there is a family with two children who, according to their dad, are failures. They're stupid. You never do anything right. He is constantly telling them. The lady over there just found out she had a tumor that tested positive. Uh, the Smith's little girl ha- has a hole in her heart. Sam and Louise just had a nasty fight, and both are thinking divorce. Last Monday, Jim found out that in a week he's going to be laid off from his job. Sarah has tried the best she can to cover the the bruises her drunken husband inflicted on her on Friday night. The teen over there feels like he's on a rack, pulled in both directions. Parents in church pull this way, peers and glands pull the other. There are those of us with lesser hurts, but they don't seem small to us. An unresponsive spouse, a boring job, poor grade, a friend or a parent, who left us or is unresponsive, on and on the stories go. The lonely, the dying, the discouraged, the exhausted, the fearful, they are all here. Would every non-herder please stand up? At our last elders meeting, we went over the many prayer needs that are within our own body. It took up our entire meeting. 
We were blown away and taken back by all the people in our body who were hurting and struggling and discouraged, depressed, facing all kinds of things. And, and that's why we said, hey, you know we're going to start doing? The fourth Thursday, I mean the fourth Monday of every month, we're going to be at the church from 6.30 to 8.30 for prayer. Uh, you can sign up for a specific spot back there or just show up. But I want you to know that we're going to either pray with you or for you. We're not going to turn into let's small talk about football, right, or, or let's talk about business. Either we're going to pray over people or we're going to pray for people because there are hurting people in this room. Yes, just like the people gathered at the pool of Bethesda in John 5, a lot of people in this very room have problems and issues, hurts and habits, fears and concerns, obstacles and challenges that at times seem to cripple and paralyze them. And, and many times... We become convinced that as long as we have these problems, we're never really going to get anywhere in life. Question, what what problem, what issue, what hurt, what struggle, what concern, what fear do you have in your life at this moment that if it would go away, you feel like your life would be so much better? Lord, if you would just, and go ahead, fill in the blank in your own mind. Lord, if you would just fix my marriage, Lord, if you would just do something about our finances. Lord, if you would just get my children to listen to me. Lord, if if you would just help me overcome that hurt, that habit, that addiction, that hang up. Lord, if you would help me overcome all the stress that keeps piling up on me day after day. Lord, if you would just enable me to break through that fear and doubt that keeps holding me back. Lord, if you just take away the pain, take away the sickness, and heal my body. Now, if you would, I really want you to take a, just a moment, you know, take a moment to ask God, to pray to God and ask him to speak to you about that problem this morning. And also take a moment to pray for the person to your right or left. If you don't know them, introduce yourself, right? You know, we're not sharing problems, just names right now, okay? And, and then what we're going to do is you're going to pray, hey, God, you know what? God, help me to hear your voice today so that you can speak to my heart about my problem. And then you're going to pray for the person to your right and left that they would hear God's voice above the noise, above all the, all the yang, yang, yang that goes out there, right? So many people have ideas and opinions, right? But the only opinion that counts is the opinion of God. The only voice you need to hear is God. And so we're going to pray. And remember, the Bible says that great things happen when people pray. Again, if you don't know the person to your right or left, introduce yourself. You're allowed to go across the aisle too. That's, that's, that's permitted, right? You don't need an aisle pass today. All right, let's do this. Lord, you know us. Lord, we can try to cover up our hurt and our pain, but it's still there. And Lord, I just pray that in this time together, God, that we would open up our hearts and our minds and that we would see you walking among us in this room and know that you care about us, that you see our hurts, our struggles, our pain, our difficulties. God, help us to tune out all the other noise and to hear your voice today. Help me to do the same even as I stand up here and share. God, I I pray that we leave this place today, Lord, on a path um, to being whole and well. God, protect us from the enemy who hates wholeness, who hates wellness, who loves to see people broken and alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the first point in your notes is, is the man. Now, now, we don't even know the guy's name. In fact, we don't know much about him at all, except that he's been a cripple, John says, for 38 years. 
Now, that's a long time to deal with something, right? That's a long time to deal with an issue, 38 years. He had been an invalid for 38 years, which I believe indicates that the man was not born as a cripple, because if he was born as a cripple, I believe that John would say of him what he said of the guy in John 9, who was blind, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Uh, so this guy in John 5, he, he, he wasn't born with this problem. He wasn't born a cripple. You know, it, it just kind of came on him as he lived out his life. And, and how this guy lost his use of his legs, we don't know. Maybe it was a, some sickness or maybe an accident. We don't know. But one thing we do know is that for 38 years, he has been an invalid. For 38 years, he'd been paralyzed, unable to stand, unable to walk, unable to run, unable to take care of himself. What we do know is that for 38 years, this man's hope, like his legs, have slowly withered away until there was only a faint glimmer left. I mean, imagine what it would be like to live this way, especially 2,000 years ago, crippled, paralyzed, unable to move, your hope slowly withering away. And, you know, maybe you don't have to imagine all that hard. Maybe you've been there. Or, or maybe you are there right now, crippled and paralyzed by something. And, and as this guy in John 5 sat under that cover colonnade, he, he looked down at his legs and his mind's eyes, he could still see the time when, when they worked, when these legs were able to get them to where he wanted to go. Uh, when this problem that was now crippling him was not even a part of his life, wasn't even on his radar. But then his thoughts returned to the present. It was spring, the time of year of the great Passover feast, the time when tens of thousands of Jews flooded the city celebrating their deliverance from the bitter bondage of Egyptian slavery. So perhaps this guy thought to himself, if only God would deliver me from my bondage, if only God would set me free from my slavery, from these useless legs. If only this day would be different than the last 13,870 days. Bottom line, this man had a problem, and it crippled him, literally. And if you were to ask him how his life was going, he would probably say, are you kidding me? It's not going good. I mean, look at my legs. Look at my problem. Look at this issue. I I can't walk. I I can't do anything. And then if you were to ask him, what it would take to get his life going again, he would probably say, if I could only walk again, my life would be so much better. Brothers and sisters, this guy was crippled by his problems and not just physically. I mean, to be cured, to walk again, dominated his every thought. Notice that John records him saying, while I am trying to get to the pool, someone else beats me to it. Now the verb trying is in the present tense and it indicates continuous action. So you see, the day that this guy met Jesus at the pool was not the first day that he had been there. Instead, he had been there before, perhaps every day for 38 years. And since he had no friends to help him into the pool, he probably had no friends to help him get to the pool area. area. So how did he get there? Possibly by dragging himself, by pulling with his arms, and by, by digging his calloused and bleeding knuckles up and down the rocky and rough streets of Jerusalem. Listen, there's no doubt about it. This man was driven by his desire to get rid of his problem. It's what drove him to the pool. Question, what what drives you this morning? I'm not talking about your car. What drives you? 
What issue? What thing? What concern? What circumstance? What challenge? What habit? What hurt or hang up? What mat have you been carrying around that you really want to be able to put down today? 2,000 years ago, an invalid on a mat met Jesus. The next point in your notes is the question. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And Now, the Greek word translated well means healthy, sound, unbroken, undamaged, whole. Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Have you ever been asked a question where the answer seems real obvious? Now, when I was growing up, my parents would occasionally ask me those kind of questions. Stephen, do you want a spanking? Gee, Dad, I would love to have one. Can I have two? Stephen, do you want me to take your car keys? Yeah, take them, take them. Stephen, do you want to go to bed without dinner? Absolutely, and can I sleep on the cold, hard floor too? You know, it's, it's those here's your sign kind of questions. And, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a few here's your sign, all right? And, and when I do this, you say, here's your sign. Let's practice. Here's your sign. You're in a mall parking lot and with a coat hanger in the window of your car. Did you lock your keys in your car? Nope. Just washed it, and I'm hanging it out to dry. Here's your sign. You're packing up your house. The yard is full of boxes. There's a U-Haul truck in the driveway. Your neighbor comes up and says, hey, you moving? Nope. We just pack up stuff once a week to see how many boxes it will take. You're out fishing. You come back with three coolers of fish. And the guy on the dock yells out to you, hey, you catch all those fish? Nope. I talked them into giving up. You have a flat tire. You're off the side of the road changing it. Someone pulls over and asks, you got a flat tire? Nope. I was just driving around, and these other three just kind of swelled right up on me. <laughs> You're staying late at work. A coworker works by and says, hey, you still here? Nope. I left 10 minutes ago. Here's your sign. <laughs> Here's your sign. And, and you know, when I first read this story, I, I'm thinking like, I think the invalid like wants to give Jesus, like, here's your sign. I mean, do I want to get well? Are you kidding me? I mean, imagine a doctor walking through the intensive care unit. Well, Mr. Johnson, I was just wondering, um, do you want to get well? (laughs) Again, that's how I felt about this question Jesus is asking. Do you want to get well? I mean, what a silly and dare I say stupid question to ask a guy laying on a mat who's been crippled for 38 years. No, I don't want to get well. I enjoy being a cripple and having to beg to eat. I love hanging out here with all the sick people who have no hope. And I love dragging myself here every day and leaving every night totally disappointed. Yeah, the answer to the question does seem kind of obvious. Of course I want to get well. That's why I'm here. That's why I've been here every day for 38 years. But is it really that obvious? And you know, I'm no longer so sure. You see, because... Getting well would require that this man begin living a different kind of life. Was he really ready to do that? Or had he become a little too comfortable with this mat and too familiar with this problem? Had he become too accustomed with the way things were 
and how they caused or enabled him to live. And had he become too dependent on the excuses that his problem gave him for living and behaving in the way that he did. Now, now picture, if you would, Jesus walking among the group of people gathered in this room today, January 22nd, 2017. I mean, picture Jesus walking down this aisle, across the middle, and up that aisle. And as a great physician makes his rounds, what do you think the odds are that he's going to come across a few people who are crippled, like that man at the pool of Bethesda? People who have been dragging in and out of this room week after week with some problems? Question, what problem, what issue, what hurt, what concern did you drag in here this morning? If you would, you know, imagine Jesus looking you straight in the eye and asking you that same six-word question, looking you right in the eye. Do you want to get well? And, and, and you know, it does seem like a here's your sign kind of question, right? Do you want to get well? Do you really want to be healed of those past hurts? Do you really want to be free from that secret sin? Do you really want to overcome those addictions? Do you really want your marriage restored? Do you really want to put down that bitterness and become a better person? Do you really want to be reconciled to your kids? Do you really want to get a handle on your tongue and your temper and become a more self-controlled person? Do you really want God to be the center of your life, the center of your time, of your talents, of your treasure? Do you really want to overcome that negative and destructive attitude? Do you really want to be less fearful and more trusting? No, it's not. It's not. It's not a here's your sign kind of question. Because like the man in John 5, after a while, we get used to and comfortable with simply lying around on our mat with our problems, our issues, our concerns, our habits, and hang-ups. And with the way they've enabled or caused us to live, or with the excuses they give us, right? Convenient excuses for us acting in ways and living in ways that are just simply not right and acceptable to God. And listen, here's the truth. The longer you and I lay on the mat, the more we begin to wonder if the effort and changes it'll take to really pick up our mat and walk will even be worth it in the long run. Today, January 22nd, 2017, the Alpha and Omega, the sovereign king of the universe, is looking at each of us and asking us, yeah, I know you want me to take care of your problem, your issue, but do you want to get well? Do you really want to be sound, unbroken, undamaged, and whole? The answer, John 5, 7, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get there, someone always gets ahead of me. I can't. I have no one to help me. Now, if you think about it, the guy's answer really should have been a simple yes or no, right? Jesus did not ask if he can get well or if he could get well. He just said, "What? Well, hey, do you want to get well? Right? Do you want to get well? I can't. There's no one to help me. Question, is that where you are this morning with your problems? I can't. 
I mean, you look at your marriage, your job, your finances, your addictions, your hurt, your pain, your stress. Is that your answer? You look at it and say, I can't. I can't. I, I have nobody to help me. I want to get well. I, I want to be whole. I, I want to be sound, healthy, unbroken, and undamaged, but I can't. Therefore, it will always be this way. I will always be this way. I will never get any better. It will never get any better. I am stuck. I am doomed. I have no one to help me. And listen, if that is where you are this morning with your problems and issues, with your whatevers, I can't. You need to hear the offer that Jesus gives to this guy who for 38 years has laid on the mat at the pool of Bethesda. Understand, and this is huge. Because of Jesus, the I can't and I have no one to help me no longer applies. And because of Jesus, the I can't and I have no one to help me no longer applies. Because of Jesus, the I can't and I have no one to help me no longer applies. Because of Jesus, the I can't and I have no one to help me no longer applies. Amen? You see, the Jesus that we serve and worship and follow, the the great overcomer, Jesus is not a God of can't. He's a God of can. He's a God that can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or think of or imagine. 2,000 years ago, a guy on the mat met Jesus. Now let's take a look at the offer. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, I love that, at once. He didn't debate it, right? Jesus, did you really do it? (laughs) What if I fall when I try? At once, the man was cured, and he picked up his mat, and he walked. At once, the man was cured, and he picked up his mat, and and he walked. You know, I I wish we would do that. I, I, I wish you and I would just take Jesus at his word. I wish we would believe that when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords says something, that it really is going to happen. Brothers and sisters, why are we so stubborn? And why are we so slow to believe? Why are we so unwilling to be made well? I mean, when Jesus says, stand up, why don't we stand? When he says, we're forgiven, why do we still hold on to guilt and shame? When Jesus says that he loves us and that we're valuable and that we matter to him, why do we continue to doubt our worth and feel unloved and constantly look for both of those things in all the wrong places? When the one who clothes the flowers of the field and feeds the birds of the air tells us, promises that he will take care of us, why do we still worry about everyday life? When, when the one who offers you and I a, a peace beyond all understanding, why do we choose instead to live in eternal conflict and turmoil? When Jesus says that in him we are more than conquerors, why do we continue to let hurts and habits and hang-ups defeat us? And when Jesus says that in him we are a new creation, why do we insist that in some ways We and other people will always stay the same and never change. 
When Jesus asked us to trust in God and trust in him also because he's preparing a place for us to take us to be with him forever, why do we constantly worry about our future? When Jesus tells us that when we forgive somebody, that we're the ones that are actually set free, why do we stay locked behind the prison bars of bitterness? When Jesus says, put me first and all things will be given, why do we continue to hold back from him our talents and treasure and time? Brothers and sisters, when Jesus says, get up, take up your mat and walk, I say, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. 2,000 years ago, a guy on a mat met Jesus. And now it's time, if you so desire, it's your choice, to wrap this thing up and take it home. Because here's the point. You see, our God is sovereign, and I believe that God brought you here today to make you well. I believe that God brought you today to begin the work of making you healthy, sound, unbroken, undamaged, and whole. I I believe that God brought you today to begin to help wellness become a reality in your life. Now, now it, it won't happen overnight, right? But I can guarantee that you can definitely take one huge step this morning. And there's four things that you and I need to do to begin to make true wellness a reality in our life. Number one, acknowledge and identify your mat. The problem in your life that it's keeping you from walking in the newness of life. It may be your marriage. It may be your tongue or your temper. It may be your finances. It may be a hurt, a hang-up or habit, an addiction. It may be fear or worry. It may be doubt or insecurity. It may be any number of things. But, but again, the first thing you need to do is acknowledge and identify the mat, the thing, the problem, the issue that is keeping you from walking in the newness of life. Number two, you need to make the decision that you really do want to get well, that you really are ready to move on, that you really are, no matter what it takes, ready to live your life without this mat. Number three, you need to do what Jesus tells you to do. Uh, I understand, if the guy at the pool had to do more than simply lie on the mat in order to accept Jesus' offer of wellness, if he had to get up and pick up his mat and walk, if he had to do something, then there's something we also must do in order to accept Jesus' offer of wellness. Now, for some of you, your mat might mean, picking up your mat might mean going over to your spouse sometime later today and taking ownership of the of your part of the mess your marriage is in without reminding them of their part. That's hard, right? Here, I'm messed up, but I'm only messed up because you're messed up too, right? By saying, hey, here's what I own in this. It's a mess, and I own this. Picking up your mat may mean going to marriage counseling as a couple. Picking up your mat may mean that you go to some individual counseling because you got some stuff to work through, and you're just not able to do it. You know, towards the end of last year or sometime, you know, I think it was the end of last year, you know, I told you guys, hey, I went hey, I'm going to counseling. I went like seven, eight weeks. There's no shame in going to counseling, right? I mean, like, you don't have to lose your pride, right? It's like, 
my leg's cut off, like I'm too proud. Hey, I know my leg just got cut off right here, but I'm too proud to admit I need help. No, if you need help emotionally, you know, maybe that's what it is. Maybe picking up your mat is talking to a trusted brother or sister about the struggle you're having or about the hurt, habit, attitude, or hang-up that you really want to overcome. Maybe for you, picking up your mat is getting out of the boat and doing the things that you know God has been asking you to do for so long. Maybe for you, picking up your mat is to actually forgive the person who hurt you and let it go. Maybe for you, picking up your mat is to pick up your Bible and begin meeting Jesus for yourself. Maybe for you, picking up your mat is to, means breaking off a relationship that you know is damaging to your soul and damaging to your walk with God. And maybe for you, picking up your mat is to stop focusing on the things that you're accomplishing and start focusing on the person that you are becoming. You know, you know I, I think most of us already know what God wants us to do. We just have not been willing to do it. However, if we don't know, we can be sure that if we ask God, he would tell us, right? If we say, God, 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 I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm no, I know something's missing. Something's messed up. I know I'm not walking in this newness of life. You talked about this inexpressible joy. I'm just not there. But I don't know what the problem is. Would you tell me? I have a hunch he would. I have a hunch he'd let you know. I have a hunch that he would let me know. And finally, fourth, we need to realize that Jesus has bigger fish to fry than simply removing the problem. See, this guy's story did not end at the pool. Later in John 14, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you're well, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that if it was Jesus who had made him well. It says that Jesus later found him at the temple and the word used there is the present tense and it carries the idea that Jesus didn't just bump into the guy, that he was out looking for the guy. He, he was hunting the guy down to find this guy because he had a much higher purpose for him than merely healing his legs. And when he found the guy, he said, see, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now, now in my opinion, a lot of people get caught up here and they're trying to say, hey, okay, was this guy's disease caused legs being being crippled, caused by the, a sin he was committing, and now he's committing that same sin again. They get trapped in this theological debate that no one will ever know the answer to, and they miss the beauty, power, and the true impact of this verse. What Jesus is saying to this guy is, hey, I, I know that you felt your physical problem was important, and look, you're well. The problem, the issue, the concern, the habit, the hang-up, it's gone, and you're feeling pretty good about it, and I'm okay with that, Jesus says. My friend, there's something more essential than having your legs healed and restored. There's something more valuable and lasting and precious than the physical, and that's the spiritual. I came to restore your soul. I came to make your soul well. Listen. This will pop up on the screen. Your problem is not really the problem. And removing it is not the answer to true wellness and wholeness. Because true wellness and wholeness goes so much deeper. You see, the question is, do you really want to get well? Or do you just want Jesus to remove a problem in your life? Do you want to be able to sing, it is well with my legs, it is well with my finances, it is well with my marriage, it is well with my job, or do you want to be able to sing, it is well with my soul? 
Now, the awesome thing about Jesus is that many times he takes care of the problems in our life so that he can show us what we really need. And what we really need is a radical, personal, on-fire relationship with him. You see, Jesus wants to do more than rescue you from your problems. He wants to do more than rescue you from your problems. He wants to restore your soul. So guess what I'm trying to say? Many times it's not what we think. If our life is not running like it should, the problem ultimately, it's not our job. It's not that our business is not going well. It's not... It's not our marriage problems and our health problems we're suffering. It's not our finances or our kids. It's not our hurts or habits or hang-ups. And yes, Jesus can take care of them, and he often does because he loves us so much, and he's full of compassion. But listen, Jesus wants to do so much more than take away your problems. He wants to take you to himself. Jesus wants to do so much more for you than simply take away your problems. He wants to take you to himself. Jesus wants to do so much more for you than to take away your problems. Jesus wants to take you to himself. Which, by the way, will always take you to wellness and wholeness and make you healthy, sound, unbroken, and undamaged. Get it? Get it? Good. I want to read some words from a guy who got to that place of wellness. He wrote these words from a prison cell. His name was Paul. I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much. With much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through the one who makes me everything I am. I want to wrap up with three concluding statements or thoughts and then a real brief story. Number one, Jesus not only can deal with our problems, but he can take us to true wellness. Number two, you and I, we have to move from seeking surface wellness, the mere removal of our problems to seeking wellness of our souls. It's kind of like Jesus said to the woman at the well, right? And he said, Jesus said, hey, if you knew who you were talking to and you knew what I would give you, you would ask me for living water and you never thirst again. Jesus says, man, you know what you're talking to? You're asking me just to fix this little problem? Jesus says, I can do so much more than that for you. I can fix your soul. I can fill your soul. I can restore your soul. And third, we as a church must make true wellness and soul wellness our ultimate goal, right? And we got to be a church, right? The broken and damaged are welcome here because every one of us is broken and damaged, and I'm leading the way. Believe me when I tell you. The broken and damaged are here, and we don't want to just deal with the surface, right? We want to go down deep and make their soul well. Get it? And, and, and here's a closing story. It's about a baptism I, I got to witness in Lexington, Kentucky, 
about uh, 15 years ago. The guy's name was Bob. He was in a wheelchair. He had, he had MS. And, and before he was baptized, he, 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 said, he shared a story. And he said he was so pumped up about being baptized that he woke up at 4 a.m. And when he woke up, he said it was kind of like a dream. And, and, and there was somebody over him asking him a question. And, and they asked him the question, Bob, if, if you had one wish and you knew that one wish would be granted, what would you ask for? And, and Bob said he, he knew what the person was thinking, you know, that he would ask for, hey, I could walk again, right? And Bob said, hey, I already have the greatest wish and desire of my heart. I have Jesus. And today, I'm being baptized into his name. And he shared his story, and I watched two guys pick him up out of that wheelchair, and I watched Bob be baptized. Talk about true wellness, right? Hey, I don't care if I ever walk again, because my soul is well, because I have Jesus Christ. Amen? Would you guys stand and pray with me? Father, we love you, and we need you. And God, I don't imagine, though we all can put on our nice clothes and our makeup and smiling faces, Lord, I don't imagine that the hurts and needs are all that different than you saw when you wore flesh and walked this earth. And, and Jesus, thank you for showing us in that story that you care about the hurts of people. And you don't run away from them, God, but you run to them and reach out and you help them. And, and so, God, I, I pray for everyone in this room, God, that we would just hear your voice. And, God, that we would know that, that your deep desire is to make our souls well so that we can sing, it is well, it is well with our souls. Father, I pray that as we sing, we just worship and celebrate who you are and the wholeness and wellness that really is found in you. In Jesus' name, amen.